0: Welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Cryptocurrency. I am Charles Kolstad, a partner in Withers Global Cryptocurrency Practice Group, and I am delighted to be hosting this podcast series. In these podcasts, I am asking questions to my Withers colleagues in our cryptocurrency group around the world. With me today is Elliot Galler, a partner in our international corporate tax team in New York. Before we get started. I want to remind listeners that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only and we're not providing any legal investment or other advice. Today's topic is U.S. tax considerations for crypto investors and issuers. Let's get started. So Elliot, what is the current tax landscape in the U.S. and what are important considerations for cryptocurrency investors?
1: Sure, happy to talk about that and thanks for having me here today, Charles. Um, As many listeners probably know, um, the IRS treats uh, cryptocurrency as property ever since uh, their public announcement in 2014. And they look at each leg of a transaction to determine the tax consequences. So, for example, um, a person may buy cryptocurrency and hold on to it and then dispose it. A person may buy cryptocurrency, have it appreciate, and then use that to purchase another asset. They may buy cryptocurrency, have it appreciate, and use it to convert into a different form of cryptocurrency. Um, and the IRS treats each one of those uh, legs of the transaction as potentially a, a taxable event. So that's been uh, the rule for some time now. And as the cryptocurrency space has evolved, uh, different technologies have have caused uh, investors to think about cryptocurrency a little bit differently. Um, We've seen a lot of cryptocurrency in the news lately, um, especially in the sports world. Uh, For example, different baseball teams, basketball teams um, have been accepting cryptocurrency for tickets, for merchandise, for suites. Um, I also noticed recently that many athletes have started taking cryptocurrency as payment Um, One member of the Kansas City Chiefs announced recently that he'll take his entire salary in 2021 as Bitcoin. Um, So, again, the IRS is uh, interestingly and keenly aware of these transactions. And uh, there's been a lot of a a lot of public attention on how to treat those for tax purposes.
0: And for for, for most investors, are these going to be capital assets or are there other rules for them?
1: Yeah. So, like I mentioned, the IRS treats cryptocurrency as as property. So you really need to look at what the different transactions are. So, for example, in the an investor that buys and holds cryptocurrency, that's generally treated as a capital asset. Um, those that buy and convert it to something else or use it to buy something else will generally have a capital gains event on that on that transaction, but there aren't just investors dealing in cryptocurrency. There's also uh, miners and, and day traders and, and and people in all different walks of, of the, the spectrum. You know, miners are those who are actively working on cryptocurrency and often receive that as remuneration. So even though cryptocurrency to some is a capital asset subject to capital gains tax rules, Miners are generally subject to ordinary income tax treatment. If it's, you know, they're mining as their business, you have to think about things like self-employment tax, um, uh, you know, which can be a negative, but also a positive, a minor would get deductions for ordinary and necessary uh, items, such as electricity, computers, and things like that, that can often be very expensive and can be used to reduce their taxable income. Um, but as the popularity of cryptocurrency has grown, it's not just miners. There's also who people who, you know, mine cryptocurrency or, or obtain cryptocurrency um, for services more as a hobby rather than as a business. So on the one hand, that, you know, that has some positives on the tax side and that it's not subject to self-employment tax. But hobbies, you generally don't get deductions for ordinary and necessary business expenses. And then if the cryptocurrency goes down, you're also subject to the hobby loss rules. Um, You know, day trading when the uh, dot-com boom on on the stock market was very popular. And now that cryptocurrency has increased in popularity, there is a form of day trading with cryptocurrency also. So even though these may be uh, capital assets, day traders are often moving in and out of positions very quickly and are likely to be subject to the short-term capital gains and loss rules, um, which obviously have have very different consequences than than capital treatment and uh, almost doubling in tax rate, especially when you consider state and local taxes on top of that. So what might seem like a nice gain on paper can often have, you know, taxes for day traders approaching or if not exceeding 50% if they're living in New York or California.
0: Ouch. So if, 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 if your Bitcoin or your Ether or whatever has appreciated in value, the good news is it's appreciated in value. The bad news is if you use it to buy something, you've got phantom income, and no cash to pay the taxes with. So, uh, lots lots of pitfalls for investors in cryptocurrency. Um, what what about hard forks and airdrops? Uh, is there any guidance from the IRS in that area?
1: Yeah, so these are, you know, very interesting. And as, as, um, you know, the universe of cryptocurrency and the blockchain evolves, um, you know, there are things like hard forks and airdrops. So uh, the IRS, again, treats it as as property, the IRS looks at a hard fork or an airdrop, and looks at the taxpayer is receiving something that they didn't have before. So the IRS would like to look at that and think as that is taxable income. Um, But you know hard forks in particular oftentimes occur when there's a break in in the blockchain and even though there's a hard fork and if you look at a snapshot in time you know the investor the holder may have more than they had five minutes ago but if you play that out over you know the next few weeks or months what they had previously may become worth much less or worthless Um, so there are even though the irs would like to treat these and has issued some guidance, um, informal guidance, um, in terms of treating that as taxable income, I think there are good arguments to the contrary, similar to stock splits. Um, You know, I think the IRS position and guidance is, is certainly informative, but taxpayers, I think the informed taxpayers would be well advised to seek out counsel and to really give it Thought and to see if there's a contrary position that might be supportable, that might be worth taking. You know, just because the IRS thinks something is taxable doesn't mean that taxpayers have to agree with them.
0: Yes, we do. We do get to disagree occasionally. So, what about estate and gift tax planning? Any considerations there that we should be thinking about?
1: Yeah, um, we've definitely seen uh, we've definitely seen clients and those in the industry thinking of cryptocurrency and their estate planning going hand in hand, especially those um, involved in, you know, initial coin offerings, those involved in um, as business owners and starting some of these companies. And they're very much looking at crypto as any other type of asset asset. in terms of it having a fair market value. But oftentimes what we see is it's viewed almost like uh, like startup positions in, in family businesses or stocks in private companies before they go public, where the owners of the crypto are very very much see these as assets that are poised for substantial appreciation. And they try and move these into estate um, efficient vehicles as early as possible, we saw a lot of this in the lead up to the end of the 2020 tax year, when there was a lot of talk about the estate tax and gift tax exclusion coming way down from the you know 11.67 million down to maybe three million or even less in some of the the Democratic proposals. And quite honestly, with the talk um, in politics and you know with the president and the two houses of Congress align right now. There's a lot of talk that that may be happening again. So we have seen a lot of clients starting to put cryptocurrency in trust, transfers to children, transfers to charity, um, taking the view that they get, they can use the fair market value today, but they very much view those assets as something that are uh, poised for substantial appreciation. They can get a good bang for their buck by by moving those out of their estate today
0: great so so far we've been talking about tax issues from an investor perspective on the issuer side and whether it's to an ICO or other issuance transaction there are also a, a lot of tax issues and one of the big issues is if you do an ICO or a SAFT a simple agreement for future tokens how is the issuer taxed on the cash that they receive and the tokens, although under the securities laws and under the Howey test, the tokens, the cryptocurrency may be viewed as being a security, it's not clear that they actually would constitute a security for U.S. tax issues. And what that means is then when you, as an issuer, do an ICO, do a SAFT, um, you're going to have a taxable event at some point because you're not going to fall under the tax-exempt provisions that apply to issuances of securities by corporations or issuance of securities by partnerships and so the the worst-case scenario is you do your transaction and you're taxable in the year of receipt on the dollars that you've received which is going to be very painful People do what's known as a staff to simple agreement for future tokens and take the position that that cash is not taxable to the issuer until such time as the tokens are issued at some future date so that there's a deferral. But if you are the issuer, um, you need to make sure that you've thought about how you're going to pay that tax and part of the deferral benefit is if you spend the money on things that you can deduct now you you've got expenses and you have income at some point and one should offset the other but in the cryptocurrency space on the issuer side there's a lot of potential for having to capitalize the expenses that are financed through the token issuance and now you have to depreciate it over some period of time. And potentially you end up with a lot of taxable income and potentially no cash to pay the tax because you've spent the money on building out the the, the tokens and the overall uh, IP. So, Elliot, back to you. Uh, are there any reporting requirements that the IRS has put out in the cryptocurrency space and and how aggressive are the irs these days in the crypto space
1: yeah no that's that's a good point i think you know you mentioned phantom income we spoke about it before on the investor side and it's a it's a real issue on the transactions we were talking about where you use appreciated tokens you've got phantom income you know the irs is is keenly aware of transactions and has uh aggressively started asking um, whether it's uh, the exchanges, whether it's taxpayers, the IRS is, is really in an information gathering stage right now. Um, as, uh, you know, we've got uh, a couple, uh, we're right around the time of the uh, first extension for filing 2020 taxes, um, you know, based on, on COVID, the extension on an individual from, uh, from April 15th. Um, it's important to know that, yeah, the uh, you know, without getting into too many technical details, but you've got, you know, Form 8949, which is used on an individual taxpayer to report capital transactions. Um, you're reporting on your 1040 Schedule D. You also need to be aware of Form 1099 that could be issued to a taxpayer from an organization that may have issued tokens for or IPTO- Issued cryptocurrency for staking, for airdrops, and other transactions. Um, the IRS has uh, recently released 1099 um, NEC, non employee compensation. Um, th- there's a lot of talk around that being um, like what we said before for miners, for, uh, for individuals that are engaged in this as their maybe trader business, but are not necessarily employees of any company. Um, there are those considerations. And then you've got on the capital gain side, you've got to figure whether your uh, transactions from capital gains and cryptocurrency are then subject to the net investment income tax, you know, an additional 3.8%, um, assuming you're, you're above the AGI limits. And then that's for 2020, thinking about um, cryptocurrency and reporting and taxation going forward. Again, some of the... Uh, some of the current administration tax proposals in the US is to either do away with the benefit of capital gains tax rates altogether to, um, you know, do away with it for those making over a million dollars a year in capital gains, or those making over a million dollars in any form of income. So, um, you know, we started out, uh, you know, let's say 10 years ago with cryptocurrency and potentially converting crypto, you know, Bitcoin to ether or something else with maybe a 1031 exchange. Those have fallen off. For um, you know, for anything other than real property, now you've got uh, potential ordinary income from any crypto transactions, and on top of that, you've got potentially capital gain tax rates going way up. So. Uh, crypto is still obviously an, an important asset in 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 the world, but the taxation, when thinking about the U.S. rules, has been evolving and is, is potentially subject to future change in a significant way as well.
0: I know a lot of people invest through Binance and non-U.S. exchanges. Uh, does the fact that it's a non-U.S. exchange that you're trading on or investing through change the U.S. tax rules at all? I, I think some people are under the impression it might. Yeah, so
1: um, I, I think if you're looking at transactions, a U.S. person that is engaging in buying and selling or trading, it doesn't matter what exchange they're on, even though they may think that they're involved in a foreign-to-foreign transaction. The U.S., you know, the IRS and the U.S. tax rules will always look at the taxpayer who's U.S. and if they're, you know, U.S. individuals are subject to tax on their worldwide income. So even a transaction that takes place wholly offshore is subject to, uh, to U.S. tax. Now, the owners of those exchanges, you know, whether they're U.S. or foreign, there's a whole international tax component and CFCs and guilty income and subpart F, which is beyond the scope of of, of what we're talking about today, but is an interesting discussion nonetheless.
0: Yep. Yep. Lot, lots of issues to think about. I know an area of interest these days are NFTs or non fungible tokens. A question that we've been getting is whether NFTs are collectibles, because collectibles are subject to tax at a 28% capital gains rate rather than the higher 20% capital gains rate. And uh, although there's no clear-cut guidance, I think our view is is that there are good arguments that NFTs are not collectibles because they don't constitute tangible personal property. But that's an area where I think we will see some guidance from the IRS at some point uh, as they update their FAQs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I well, think the IRS has shown that their opening stance on many positions um, is, as you might expect, um, IRS friendly and, and, and anti-taxpayer. But again, with their you know FAQs, it's not; um, those aren't rules passed by con- Congress. It's just the IRS's position. So where there are good positions on the other side, it behooves the taxpayer to, to seek out advice.
0: Thank you, Elliot, for this fascinating discussion today.
1: Thanks for having me, Charles.
0: My pleasure. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining the latest episode of our Withers Talks cryptocurrency podcast. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us.